This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Banks Europe. I'm Francesca Liberti, and I will be your host for today in one of our most popular formats, the Ecosystem Zoom In series. And we are continuing today um, with the Nordic area once again. So after the last episode that we had about Finland a couple of weeks ago, we will now focus on another amazing country, which is Norway. So before introducing uh, our guests, which are quite a lot and quite representative of a lot of different parts of the ecosystem, which is always a plus, I'd like, as usual, to um, share with you some quick data uh, about Norway so we can then uh, perhaps comment upon them with our guests. So 2021 was a VC record year for Norway with $1.3 billion invested. Norway, uh, as we we all know, it's a um, very high GDP country per capita, so it's indeed one of the richest countries in the whole world. And plus, according to the iDAISY measure, Norway is third in connectivity, tenth in digital skills, first in the use of internet by citizens, and seventh in integration of technology by business. So this should all be quite... Um, interesting data and uh, um, promising ones for the startup ecosystem. And so let's try to understand better all these elements together with uh, with our guests today. So I'm very happy to introduce you <laughs> what I can say is the soul of the Norwegian fintech ecosystem, who is uh, Daniel Isdal-Furset, Secretary General Fintech Norway. Hello, Daniel. Happy to see you again. Hi, Francesca. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. Very happy to be here. Nice. And our second guest, Stefan Atstroza, Head of Financial Services at ITERA. Hello, Stefan. Hey, and thank you for having me. Hannah Rackness, COO at Stack and also founder of the tech investment company AMP11. Hello, Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome. And last but not least, Tuk Wong, founder and CEO at the Nordic Cryptocurrency Exchange, Theory, which I think especially in this period, I suppose you have a lot to say, probably. Hello, Tuk. Hi, nice to meet you. Welcome all, and thanks uh, thanks a lot for, for being with us. So let's start from the very basics. Um, Daniel, maybe I can start with you. So within FinTech Norway, um, you have quite a, a broad overview, I would say, of the FinTech ecosystem itself. 
So given your experience, uh, how do you see the, the evolution of the Norway's uh, ecosystem in the last year? And maybe we can, we can deep dive a little bit. Uh, where do we stand right now? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. That's a, that's a brilliant question. I mean, um, looking at the fintech in Norway, I think it's safe to say that it's still pretty much early days. I mean, it's especially compared to maybe our Nordic, Nordic neighbors. Uh, we're still maturing, but we're maturing steadily. Um, I think from our, from our early beginnings, I think 2015, 2016, we had about 30 fintech companies in Norway. And the latest numbers I saw now for 2022 is around 180. Um, so obviously that there's, there's been a development there. And as you yourself mentioned, I mean, last year was a, a record-breaking year in terms of investments. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how 2022 shakes out, of course. Um, but yeah, last year, I mean, we, I think we had a doubling in the number of investments, both in terms of, uh, you know, capital invested, but then also in the number of, of financing rounds that, that were taking place. Um, and maybe, of course, one of the happiest news is that we, we finally got our first unicorn with the June Analytics. Which was way overdue, but uh, you know, uh, finally, finally, we're it's happening. So, I mean, it's it's definitely improving. The numbers or arrows, I should say, are pointing upwards. Uh, of course, the market right now is is a bit, you know, shaky. But that's more across the board than in than in Norway in particular. But but yeah, it's 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 looking it's looking good. I'd say, yeah. Great, thanks. And um, Stefan, maybe from your point of view, um, how do you see the, the, the fintech ecosystem in Norway? Do you see any particular trends uh, or any sector Norway is uh, um, going particularly fast at? Yeah, uh, where to start? <laughs> Circling back to where you've been introducing uh, the topic, uh, Francesca, regarding Norway and how the development has been. Uh, one obvious one is within payments and mm -hmm. uh, uh, digital payments has been uh, uh, for many years and I would say decades uh, an area where we in Norway have been world leading actually in many regards, both from like the infrastructure point of view, but also when it comes to uh, consumer adoption. Uh, and especially after now the, the pandemic, uh, cash is... Uh, uh, it has been on a steady decline uh, the latest uh, decades or so, but now, especially the last two years, it's, uh, I wouldn't say uh, zero, but it's, uh, I think it's uh, the, the cash usage is now at uh, three or four uh, percent uh, after the pandemic, which speaks to uh, the, the rate of uh, digital uh, usage when it comes to mobile and uh, desktop services from not only fintech players, but, uh, but banks. Uh, and that's also a, a, a large trend, the uh, digitization uh, that banks in general in Norway has been uh, front, run front runners in many areas when it comes to uh, at least putting uh, uh, some of the processes and solutions uh, uh, not necessarily fully automated and digital, but we have come a long way from, from the incumbent point of view as well, uh, which is important to have in mind when speaking of the fintech uh, ecosystem in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it's and, uh, always interesting uh, what you were saying, sorry to interrupt you, about the um, digital adoption, because uh, coming from a completely different country, um, it's quite crucial to push uh, um, digitalization when you have kind of tech-savvy um, population. So what I see 
from the Nordic countries is that uh, the head towards a, a cashless society, it's basically um, super fast. Uh, also because the cultural, uh, from the cultural point of view, probably the population is much more willing to uh, accept these kind of changes. Definitely. And uh, a big reason to why we are accepted to that kinds of uh, changes are the, the high degree of trust that we have in the established financial uh, institutions in our country. So when many other countries have had uh, uh, recessions or uh, incidents where uh, 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 total economic uh, economies have uh, had uh, troubles. Uh, here in Norway, it hasn't been that kind of uh, 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 an issue uh, in uh, in the aftermath because we have a high degree uh, of trust in our uh, in our banks and the financial institutions. Uh, and a short analogy and. Uh, I, uh, I uh, did my master's degree in, in Spain, and uh, there you have uh, two things on each street corner. So you have, uh, first and foremost, a lot of pharmacies. Uh, <laughs> Same. And thing being uh, bank branches. And, and Spain is uh, one of the countries globally with the highest degree of bank branches per capita, while Norway is on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. So it speaks to how far we have come in many years. Interesting, very interesting. And um, Hannah, we have seen um, before in the data, and also Daniel was mentioning uh, that uh, um, the VC or the funding um, ecosystem is quite uh, alive. Um, of course, uh, uh, the access to capital, it's, it's another element, another main element of the equation when, when we talk about a successful startup ecosystem. And uh, um, from the data uh, that, that I mentioned, Norway consistently ranks uh, as one of the richest countries in the world when uh, measured in terms of GDP, as we said, per capita. And uh, um, so this leads me to think that there should be quite some uh, individuals with uh, money to spend, especially when talking about uh, early stage startup investments, for example. So what's your, um, what's your experience with that? Uh, how this is affecting uh, the startup scene and uh, how's the investment sector uh, in Norway in general? And maybe if you can deep dive a little bit into the fintech one. Yeah, um, I think uh, there's been a lot of media and press articles the last couple of months, uh, at least, about the investor market, uh, especially in the in the uh, startup and fintech space, kind of drying up in Norway. And this uh, happened in a relatively short period of time. Um, while in 2020 and 2021, during the pandemic, uh, the interest rates were really low, and there was a lot of capital seeking alternative investment opportunities. And a lot of those fund land, funds landed on startups uh, within the fintech uh, space. And as, uh, as you mentioned, uh, um, uh, in 2021, it was a record year uh, when it comes to financing. Uh, and almost 2 billion Norwegian kroners were directed to fintech investing. And that was probably a, a combination of both... Um, uh, private individuals, but also VC funds uh, and these kind of uh, players. And this has completely turned around in a relatively short period of time uh, with the war in Ukraine and kind of uh, that kind of disrupted the European markets and with the macro trends that we have now. So many startups are now, especially in the fintech space, struggling to find investors to, to survive. 
And I my I think that we will probably see a lot more startups and fintechs uh, not surviving for the upcoming uh, months. And this also kind of uh, relates to the stock market. Uh, during the pandemic, up until uh, the end of 2021, tech and growth shares were priced extremely high. Uh, and there was a rush of Nordic uh, SaaS companies listing uh, themselves. And if you look backwards, you could say that the multiples and uh, the pricing was kind of uh, at the non-sustainable level and investors priced future growth above profitability. And now I think the tables have turned. Investors price, of course, future growth, but value also much more profitable growth, meaning that companies need to run a profit. And I think kind of the parallel here is the same to Norwegian fintech scene. Uh, fintechs that have a revenue stream, clients, and a proven business plan, they will still be able to attract investors and capital. Whereas fintechs, where the roadmap to creating a healthy and positive cash flow and revenue model, when that when that's not clear, I think they will struggle a lot more uh, in the coming months and years just to remain uh, alive. And and also in some way there has been it has been kind of a rush in the investor market. Like a lot of funds have been going to the fintech space, um, maybe even at some point too much. Uh, and in the, in such in such cases, then this crisis can also be a healthy development. And it always happens in crisis crisis times. Um, companies and fintechs that don't kind of have a very clear value proposition and plan to capitalize on this will not probably survive uh, going forward. That at least kind of my take on the recent development. So it will be very interesting to see the actual numbers for 2022 on how many fintechs uh, we have. The current number is about 180. How many will be alive in 2022? Uh, and also how much of the funds will be further channeled to the fintech space? So it's going to be uh, interesting, but I at least expect uh, a downturn there going forward because of the macroeconomic situation. Interesting. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Anna. Um, Tuk, you represent uh, uh, the startup side uh, in this podcast, actually the one that uh, has the skin in, skin in the game. Um, so it's interesting um, for us to, to, first of all, understand more what theory does. And then I want to ask you uh, to share maybe your experience of doing a startup in Norway and uh, what did it work for you and what do you think can be improved? Yeah, uh, yeah. Now I can give a quick introduction of uh, what Fury is and what we do. Uh, uh, Fury is a company, uh, fintech, working within the crypto space. We are well. Our goal is to to help bridge the, the gap between traditional finance and the crypto economics. Uh, and right now we are uh, have built a platform where, um, well, basically anyone who uses one of these core infrastructure, uh, as uh, Stefan mentioned earlier, uh, Bankide, which gives you access to our platform. Uh, all the KYC is done and you can begin buying cryptocurrencies within minutes. Uh, and this comes from a um, long time as a uh, as a crypto investor myself, where I had to take pictures of myself, uploading them, sending this to various places. And this is a product of based on experience, prior experience on how much private security is not uh, um, been in the focus building such services. So uh, yeah, I'm one of the, in this podcast, the one behind um, 
a startup that builds uh, something. Uh, and of course, as Hannah said, it's been a tough market for everybody. It's, uh, it's something you hear. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody has heard about the whole situation elsewhere within the crypto space too, with lending, platforms having issues. Um, this is the whole product market fit that probably wasn't fit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, no, um, building a company in Norway, uh, I'd say it would be a no-brainer uh, based on how good terms you would get here, just on a personal level. Uh, very good social uh, education. You have all the supports. You have an um, ecosystem that basically everybody wants to help you with something. Introductions, give you all the guides. Uh, and then it's up to you to take um, your own destiny in your own hands and then try to build something. So by starting a company in Norway, I think for us, it really helped because we basically got all the trust based on just being here in Norway, being registered with the FSA, doing all the work that way. We we are basically in on the wings of bigger uh, companies that have done a lot of work within this fintech space that we now are getting access to services where you basically wouldn't get before. Uh, and that has helped us. Um, and especially one very important thing, which has also been mentioned, is Norway is a very technical technical country where you use open banking. Uh, we were one of the first companies to do it. We use bank ID where you can identify, do identification uh, without showing your passport. Um, so just combining all this things here in the Nordics and especially here in Norway, you get a huge competitive against global fintechs coming into the country because understanding how it works here is yeah, just as just as Norway and Denmark and Sweden are speaking more or less the same language with some nuances, um, the whole uh, how people react to fintechs are very different. So it's really hard coming to Norway, I think, to build services mm-hmm. here. And we see that, for example, with neobanks, it's been a tough thing trying to break the big banks here in Norway. Um, and one thing is super super technical, super slick, and one is, well, it's technical, but it's not that super slick as a <laughs> fancy mobile app, for example. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks, Tuk. And you mentioned actually uh, other um, uh, Nordic countries uh, from the Scandinavia area. And also in uh, in our uh, previous episode about Finland, uh, we were discussing a little bit that. So I'm curious to, to hear um, your opinion, Daniel, or also others, if they want to intervene um, about the, the Nordic startup scene. Can we actually talk about a sort of Nordic ecosystem or do you really think uh, we have to be um, particularly focus on what Norway does, uh, Sweden does, uh, Finland, and so on? I think the answer to that is both yes and no. Um, I think it's it's definitely, as Tuk said, it's, uh, there are a lot of similarities between the Nordic countries, but there are a lot of dissimilarities as well. I think there are a lot of, lot of fun, uh, founders in Norway who have 
scale to other Nordic countries, thinking that this is going to be super easy because it's basically Norway. And then you get there and you and you realize that, yeah, we may speak the same language, but the way they do business and it's the little nuances and in, in difference of culture that turns out to be quite a shock after all. Um, and there are, of course, I mean, as I said um, in the beginning, <laughs> Especially if you if you compare us to Sweden, which is kind of reigns supreme in the Nordic countries when it comes to fintech, Norway is still very much in the in the early days. Uh, so there are a lot of different things happening in the different markets. But then, of course, speaking from a, a fintech Norway point of view, um, uh, we're definitely trying to create sort of this unified Nordic market that you speak of. Uh, actually, just last month we had our we had our very first. Nordic TPP meeting where we kind of reached out to our sister organizations in Denmark and Sweden and, and Finland and, and Iceland as well. And we try to create a forum where we basically just gather all the TPPs and we try to understand, okay, how, how are you dealing with, uh, with your incumbents, with your financial institutions? Are they collaborating? What is your relationship with your local FSA? You know, what are, what are the different issues and barriers that you are facing? And are there any similarities? Uh, and so on, um, which is a forum that we, I mean, it was the very first one. Uh, we had representatives from from Norway, of course, Sweden and, and uh, Finland. Um, and then in our next forum, which will happen in August or late, mid-September, I think, we will also have participants from, from Denmark and, and Iceland. So, I mean, we are, in terms of communication, at least, and, and sharing sharing knowledge and experiences, I think you can speak of this, of this Nordic on a unified market, but but there are also very big differences, I think, within the within the different countries. I think also it's it's very important to think of like take the Nordic perspective because um, markets in themselves, like Finnish market, the Swedish market, the Norwegian market, they are actually quite small. Uh, so in order for many of these fintechs to grow and create scale and create profitability, you kind of have to expand. You have to expand to your neighboring countries to be um, to grow, uh, especially if you have a very niche product. So I think a lot of kind of um, future synergies could come from thinking the Nordics more as uh, one area and then like going from Europe to Europe uh, from there. Because when you go to Europe, the markets are, of course, even more different, I think, uh, than the Nordic markets. Uh, and that is kind of a different ballgame than, than working in, in the Nordic, uh, Nordic markets. Tuka, you want to share your opinion as well? Oh, yeah. No, I just want to uh, double down on both. Uh, Norway is uh, on a fintech scale. I think Norway is still very, very in the early days. Uh, you have some uh, stories coming out of Norway, but most are still working on, I say, uh, branching outside of, of Norway. I think that's the biggest difference between other countries, for example, Sweden, where you have fintechs thinking very globally very fast, very early. Yeah. Meanwhile, here in Norway, we are studying local first and then dip our toes into new markets. So I think uh, that's one of the biggest reasons I think uh, Norway has been lacking behind. And now with 180 fintechs uh, trying to catch up, to 10 years of uh, of uh, yeah spread yeah. if i can if i can just add to that i think uh, i mean i absolutely agree with you took and i think also again talking about differences and maybe one of the one of the reasons why we haven't seen as many norwegian kind of scale ups going outside of norway is is when you look at our how our capital structure 
is kind of set up because in Norway, it still heavily relies on on the government, you know, not just in fintechs. I think every startup, their first funding comes from from Innovation Norway, which is sort of the, the government's instrument in, in, in fostering innovation and, and helping startups, uh, you know, getting that that first early cash, which is obviously it's great for startups to kind of have that that. Uh, channel into funding but it also it makes us dependent on the government right where you if you go to sweden for instance you have a much more distributed capital structure right um so i I mean i think that's that's also a a key difference between the countries but of course it's it's uh, again i'm optimistic and it's it's slowly changing in norway as well and we are seeing uh i mean as you said again last year a record-breaking year in investments it was also a record-breaking year in terms of foreign investors looking to norway so um it's still early days there as has been said several times i think we are slowly seeing that same snowball effect that you've already seen so many times in sweden with with klana and tink and iSettle. right you have you're starting to have companies creating millionaires and multimillionaires who then can reinvest in in into fintech and kind of get that snowball running it's just it's still it's still early days they know definitely so you you all mentioned quite interesting quite some interesting points uh, and the government actually uh, came into the discussion uh, so i want to double click on that but before we are going to go for a very short break and we will be back in one minute Do you want to be part of Breaking Banks Europe? Reach out and learn more about the opportunity to be featured in one of our shows. With over 1.6 million listeners and counting, Breaking Banks Europe is bound to become the place to advance critical dialogue in Europe and the UK fintech scene. Reach out on Instagram or Twitter at BreakingBanksEU or go to www.provoke.fm. All right, we are back to Breaking Banks. We are discussing uh, together with a very nice panel of guests um, the Norwegian ecosystem. And uh, we were before um, discussing also about the role of the government. Uh, um, and Daniel actually pointed out quite an interesting uh, um, thing that I was not aware of. A lot of uh, um, fintech startups uh, at the beginning, uh, um, mostly of them, if I understood correctly, got funded by um, governmental bodies, uh, which is quite interesting. But of course, uh, uh, it says a lot about the the, the scalability that can have uh, afterwards. Um, I would like to try to map a little bit more uh, the ecosystem now with you guys uh, and understand better the key players. So perhaps, um, Stefan, you can help me with that uh, and understand more about, first of all, the interaction between incumbents and startups. And then maybe um, also with the rest of you, we can uh, deep dive a little bit more in the role of the government and the regulator. Yeah, great. And uh, looking on the relationships between the established players and the startup uh, startups within fintech, it has been... Uh, an interesting uh, journey to follow some of those uh, uh, interactions. Uh, And uh, what we have seen the latest, let's say six years is that uh, corporate venture uh, 
uh, venture uh, companies uh, or corporate ventures from uh, established players such as DNB, which is the largest bank here in in Norway, and and some of the larger community banks have been uh, venturing within this new field of trying to not only gain a financial uh, uh, gain on investments, but also uh, seeing if there are potential areas for uh, for uh, partnerships. And uh, uh, Sparebank and SRBank and uh, DNB are two uh, examples of uh, some of the larger banks that uh, in total set aside half a, uh, half a billion Norwegian uh, uh, crowns to, to invest in, uh, in fintech companies. So this was back in, uh, let's say, 2017, 2018. Uh, and we have now seen that the investments have been very much slowing down and uh, not seeing those big success stories, neither from the bank's point of view, uh, nor the, the fintechs. Uh, and I would say that it has been somewhat problematic uh, in some cases, where in my uh, personal opinion, the banks have been eager to uh, fall, uh, to be uh, following the innovation, following the fintechs, whom in some cases had been seen as a threat, but also invest in, investing in them, not only necessarily to um, to, uh, to see how they could, could uh, partner or make money, but in some cases uh, learn uh, or get an understanding of what the threat from the fintech scene uh, is or uh, is not. Uh, and we have seen that, uh, as I said, the, the relationships has been, in some uh, cases, uh, just fading out. Uh, and the, the hype around investment uh, from the, the incumbents in fintechs has definitely uh, definitely slowed down uh, and uh, it's, not as, uh, uh, it's not buzzing as it was uh, some years ago. Great. Uh, someone else that maybe wants to double click on the relationship with uh, uh, with corporates and uh, and startups. I can just comment that the Nordic banks, as has been mentioned here many times, they are kind of the forerunners in the digitalization journey, but they still have a long way to go. Uh, incumbent banks, uh, which are kind of the large players here in the market, they still need to modernize their technology and provide better customer experiences and more effective, uh, efficient and effective processes. So I think the market for kind of the for fintechs it's still there. Um, the incumbents have just about started their journey, and there's just tons of work to do to bring Nordic banks up to speed, like technology-wise. Um, and even though we've talked about uh, the market downturn and these kind of things, so if 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 you can kind of survive the next couple of, of years, there will still be a market uh, longer down the road. Probably will look a bit different, but kind of the inherent need to modernize banking infrastructure and banking technology uh, is still there. Thanks, Anna. And if we go back uh, um, uh, on the government role um, and on the regulator, I suppose you took, for example, uh, considering that you are in a quite, allow me to say, unstable kind of uh, um, uh, sector in terms of regulation. Um, how do you consider the regulation, the regulator attitude uh, towards your sector, and in general the attitude of the Norwegian uh, government and regulator? Did you have any um, uh, advantage, uh, um, clarity, or whatsoever? Yeah. So here in Norway, I think the FSA is doing a really good job, actually, uh, on getting up to speed on this whole technology and space. It's it's growing way faster than anyone 
has anticipated, basically. Even uh, you can just look at Mika. That's the uh, crypto and market. Uh, uh, markets in crypto assets uh, regulation that the European Union is now pushing out, hopefully in 2024. That's something that was meant to build to stop something that was happening in 2017. Uh, for reference, that's almost five years ago. Uh, so mm-hmm. the FSA here in Norway has been very uh, early out trying to work with uh, companies within our space, in the crypto space, uh, trying to find uh, solutions and figure a way how to actually do the whole regulation part. So as of now, we are uh, complying under, for example, the um, uh, anti-money, anti-money laundering regulation, the same as the banks, um, which is a big step ahead compared to what it has been before, uh, which were nothing. So um, this is something I find very interesting to see uh, from country to country when we talk through the FSAs around where they are in the thought process, uh, how they are working towards uh, the whole uh, crypto space and so forth. So uh, I'd say that um, the Nordic FSAs has been uh, more ahead than what I thought they would be compared to what they were back in 2018 when this whole anti-money laundering rules um, got in place. And uh, for the government side, uh, I think I think I can for certain say that um, at most of uh, what Daniel said about the government giving support to how say to ignite this fire into startups, uh, they basically did for everybody except us in the crypto space. So <laughs> we haven't gotten any help uh, from anyone, uh, not from the banks, not from the uh, government on that side on funding. So. This has been uh, for everybody. Either it has been has to be bootstrapped, or you get funding from angel investors, uh, family offices, or VCs. So this is um, this is um, it's uh, it's going to be looking more interesting going forward. I think I see there's some changes into how the government are now working towards crypto companies. Uh, for example, now I think. Last year, we were one of the first companies to actually get uh, some support from the government uh, for our machine learned-based uh, compliance tool for uh, crypto assets. So that's like the first thing. But just a pure crypto company, I don't think you would get a lot of support on the <laughs> funding side uh, directly from yeah. the government, unfortunately. So it has I to be think... very focused. Yeah, I think um, a lot of your um, peers are on the same boat, actually. It doesn't matter if you are in Norway or somewhere else, unfortunately. And Daniel, what's your, uh, what's your take on the, on the government uh, um, intervention? So would you say it's a front runner in pushing uh, forward innovation in Norway? Do you see any interesting initiatives uh, uh, moving on? Uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, yes, definitely. I think that's that's the whole. I think that's the whole reason we kind of we are where where we are right now with with innovation Norway and the government funding. I mean, it it's kind of started based on a wish to to catch up. I think on our on our neighboring countries and and seeing a need for helping you know new innovative companies kind of um, get up and running and and you know, with the lack of sort of the, the necessary ecosystem from the investor side, 
the government kind of took just kind of took that role and said, okay, we they need to get funding from somewhere. Let's let's pick up that mantle. And I think it was always their plan to kind of okay, we'll 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 kind of start pushing this ball and get it rolling, and then slowly and steadily we'll kind of hand it over to the to the private investors. Um, but of course, when, when that is going to happen, I'm, I'm less, I'm less uh, sure of, um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of fostering innovation, I think the government is, is absolutely on, on one of the forerunners, but then again, you know, that's, that's, that's more startups in general. I mean, if you're looking at FinTech specifically, I mean, FinTech is never, I mean, that's kind of like cursing in church in this forum but i mean fintech <laughs> is obviously never going to be the biggest industry in norway you know if you're looking at our history i mean it's it's always been goods you know it's oil and gas and, yeah. and shipping and, and those kind of things and if you're looking at where the focus is right now it's it's still on those sectors right and it's on how can we use our technological know-how in oil and gas towards the kind of green shift that we're now seeing and, and winds and solar power and, and ocean and so on but but yeah, anyway, it's it's uh it's still a focus, and fintech the fintech scene, as we already said, is it's absolutely growing and it's maturing, maybe a bit slower than we would have hoped for, but it's it's slow and steady at least. Step by step, as we yeah, used to say. Yeah, step by step for sure. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned Daniel, um, of course, that one of your biggest sector is uh, is the oil and gas uh, one. And uh, um, when I was uh, reading about Norway, um, uh, I've always I, I've also seen that uh, you can um, you have uh, quite a highly skilled workforce in terms also of mm. tech talent, which is mm. another element I want you guys to comment uh, upon because uh, um, you know one other element that makes a country attractive or in general. Uh, um, uh, moving forward uh, towards innovation is definitely um, the availability of tech talent. And nowadays, in whole Europe, uh, there is such a lack of tech talent uh, that many companies are struggling to find um, uh, correct people for the right positions. So also, Anna, you, for example, um, are a COO in a, in a quite big tech company. So I'm interested to understand what's your own point of view on uh, on this in terms of Norway, but also a little bit more spreading towards the uh, um, European situation? I think uh, definitely the, um, the shortage of kind of tech people, it, it's, it, it's valid in, in the whole Nordics and in the whole Europe and definitely in Norway as well. I think that's the biggest constraint on many of the growth companies uh, uh, it, within tech nowadays is the shortage of, of talent. We are currently uh, invested in seven uh, tech and tech-enabled company, two of those that are fintechs. And this is kind of the main issue in all companies, how to attract and retain talent. And I also think this is one of the main reasons one should think of like Nordic cooperation in a bigger perspective, because the language is quite similar. The culture is, of course, there are differences, but still quite similar. So thinking of Nordic as a talent pool is very important. But I also, um, many of the companies that we're invested in are also looking at other kind of uh, models where you have teams in other parts of Europe. So maybe actually the next step is to start looking at Europe as the as your talent mm -hmm. pool instead of uh, just the Nordics. 
And many of many companies have done this for many of years. They have uh, developer teams in Ukraine and uh, um, Serbia and uh, Portugal and these kind of things. Uh, and I think you kind of have to you have to look outside your own country's uh, borders uh, when you uh, talk about it, uh, uh, attracting talent going forward. And of course, the corona pandemics also help this in that way. You don't have to be physically local in one place. You can actually have dispersed teams across different locations. Yeah, definitely, and, and it's interesting because uh, we can we can really see that the, the change of um, of behavior. Um, for example, I have so many friends that were data scientists, for example, in London, that came back to Italy because uh, after the pandemic, it was uh, really like uh, uh, no sense to be there where you can work from everywhere. So, um, this idea that companies can actually um, look at their um, tech teams from somewhere else that it's not the actual country. It's quite a, a, an interesting and, and, and trigger topic. Stefan, do you have any um, opinion around uh, um, the tech talent uh, and uh, how Norway is positioning in that? Yeah, it's obviously a talent uh, war and especially within uh, tech. Uh, at uh, Itera, we have uh, 300 employer, employees in Ukraine. And you can imagine how the, the, the process has been after the war uh, broke out. Uh, but we now see that uh, uh, even though that many of our colleagues find themselves in uh, working from uh, war zones, uh, they are still delivering high quality to Nordic customers. Uh, and that speaks to uh, the quality of uh, labor that you have uh, outside of uh, Norway. Uh, and as uh, Henna said, you don't necessarily need to be uh, physically located at the same uh, location. Working remotely is something the world uh, uh, has uh, gotten acquainted to, and I believe, in my opinion, that we will need to follow this as a as a trend moving uh, moving forward. So uh, Norway needs to uh, continue on building the the national tech talent pool. Yes, but uh, we will never try uh, meet the demand uh, for uh, for talents uh, in Norway by only looking to us as a country. Uh, it's estimated that Norway will need uh, 40,000 tech employees uh, by mm -hmm. new tech employees by the end of 2030. Uh, looking at the the, the rate of uh, uh, graduates from the tech uh, mm -hmm. institutions here in Norway, we will never meet that uh, demand. So the supply needs to come elsewhere. So uh, having uh, people from other country, uh, countries in Central Europe or Asia or uh, or the Americas, that's uh, that's something that uh, Norway, not only within fintech, but as a as a nation, needs to really take uh, take it uh, take uh, seriously because we need to fulfill the the needs that's out there within each industry which is going through digitization. Definitely, and Tuk, from a, from a startup point of view, what's your uh, relationship when talking about uh, reaching out to to talent? Uh, yeah, oh, I do agree with. Uh everything that's been said. Um, uh, I, um, I I have a background in tech myself, so I, I get a lot of these headhunting uh, spams mm -hmm. all the time on LinkedIn, even though I'm, I'm the co-founder of my own company. So, uh, so uh, I do feel that there's a lack of talent pool. We do feel it ourselves. You have to look like very outside of tech. You suddenly have to look people who have been working in, for example, uh, physics. Um, the physics people are, uh, I would say, they are fairly smart. Don't say bad things uh, about physics people. <laughs> yeah. 
my co-founder is actually um, uh, having a degree in physics, so I won't okay. say anything uh, about that. But it's, uh, I think it's uh, what Stefan said, um, that you have to look outside of Norway. And for us right now, we are have to look outside of tech to find good people who can do a lot of stuff because uh, retaining tech people is really hard, especially when they have um, consultancy firms that can pay way better than, uh, yeah, than, that's also uh, one than product companies because the product won't solve itself. Uh, it's all about uh, our rates versus selling a product. So I think not only companies, but uh, well, I'll say consultancy companies are feeling the pressure of getting more people to deliver services, but also not only fintechs, but every type of company is going to really have a really tough time going forward. Even now during the downturn, uh, hearing a lot about people getting laid off and such, I think those talents are just going to be swooped up before they even hit the market. And I see it very clearly that um, just in the last couple of two months, you basically are now using LinkedIn as a place where you announce that you are now being laid off and within mm-hmm. days you are already in a new position. So that only speaks volumes about how many people that are lacking right now and not in uh, in eight years from now. But yeah. right now there's already this gigantic squeeze everywhere. And the pace are just going up and with the interest rates and inflation mm-hmm. and all that stuff, that's going to be an interesting cookie. Yeah, and I have the feeling it's not even a matter of uh, um, salary competition because, for example, young people or even uh, uh, my generation, it's, it's really like focusing more on the ex- excitement of the project instead of getting a huge salaries from banks or consultancies. So it's quite an interesting um, point of view. And I'm very curious to see how um, Europe is going to develop uh, in uh, in this sense uh, um, about tech talent. So guys, we are almost uh, at the end of uh, our episode. But before closing up, I would like each of you to uh, share with our audience, uh, um, first of all, where they can find you. And second of all, um, maybe if you have any interesting um, um, news about your company or any project you would like to share with our audience, that would be great. So, Daniel, maybe you can start. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Francesca. Yeah, so, um, well, as you said, we are, we are FinTech Norway. We're the industry association for the FinTechs in Norway. You can find us on our website, fintechnorway.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, uh, yeah, we're also part of a, a pan-European umbrella association called uh, EDFA, European Digital Finance Association. So if you, if you go, go to their websites, you'll find us there as well. Um, I mean, the most exciting things that we're working on right now, both nationally and I'd say out in towards Europe, is heavily, it got, it's got to do with regulation. Like two weeks ago, we, we more or less booked Parliament uh, and we hand-delivered a report to um, Mr. Eric de Colombier, which is head of the commission's PST2 revision work. Um, yeah, and pretty much gave him a report with like problems and solutions that we thought he should bear in mind. Uh, so we're hoping to uh, to post like a final, uh, a final report of, of that now during the summer. So that's uh, coming up and we're very excited about. And then of course we have 
exciting new members joining us as well. Maybe one of the biggest news. It's it's being dropped tomorrow, so this is an exclusive. But we mm-hmm. have Vips, nice. which is one of our biggest uh, fintechs in Norway, joining us uh, as a member. Uh, so that's also exciting. So our member base Great. is growing. Indeed. Great. Congratulations for that. Thank and you. Um, Henna. Yes. Um, you can find uh, AMP, uh, information about AMP11, which is our investment company. We invest in mid-sized tech and tech-enabled companies with uh, headquarters in the Nordics and with uh, uh, significant growth ambitions and potential. You can find more information about our approach on amp11.no or even uh, send me a, send me a, you can find us on LinkedIn. You can send me a private message there. And um, we, uh, uh, we are always looking for new investment opportunities. Uh, so please reach out if you think your company fits the bill uh, within the fintech <laughs> space or within the other tech spaces. And also um, Stack, uh, where I also have an operative role there. Uh, we are a fintech with 150 employees uh, growing uh, at a very high pace. Uh, we are all, always also uh, looking for both talent and new <laughs> opportunities. Um, and if you want to find out more about what Stack does, uh, please go to stack.com. Great. Thanks, Anna. Stefan, your turn. You can go to itera.com to find about more about uh, what we do as an IT consultancy. Uh, and uh, some of the projects that we are heading up now uh, these days are related to a very important area that uh, we haven't discussed in particular in this uh, podcast, but uh, uh, regtech and uh, especially uh, AML uh, is an area where we are now focusing a lot with uh, both uh, regulators and incumbents. So if that's a domain that you're working uh, uh, working within, you can find a report on our webpage or you can uh, DM me directly on LinkedIn. Thank you. And Tuk, what about uh, Firi? Please give us some uh, hope for the crypto space yeah. and, and market. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I'm also uh, always positive. So you can find you. more information <laughs> about Firi uh, at Firi.com. Uh, we are now um, based in, uh, well, launched in uh, Norway uh, this week, actually. We will be launching in Denmark, and then we will just keep accelerating throughout the Nordics and then go into new countries. So, um, yeah, even though it's down for everybody, we are mm. looking ahead and doing what we can to uh, uh, survive and keep on growing, basically. So, okay. yeah, it's uh, interesting times ahead. I'm pretty sure of that. Thanks, Tuk. We're all sure of that. So thanks a lot, guys. It was really a pleasure to um, to have you in the podcast. And of course, thank you very much to our audience for joining uh, this uh, Zoom in. Always remember to follow Breaking Banks Europe on all streaming platforms and sh- social media. I'm Francesca Liberti and see you all next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.